Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Welcome everybody to Podcast 17. Today is June 30th, 2015, all day long. And uh, we're going to go through our podcast today. We have an agenda created and this is the St. Louis Realtor Podcast. So we're actually going to talk about realtors and real estate stuff today. And we have a very special guest, my right hand, my everything, my most important. And I'm not talking about the Budweiser in my left hand. I'm talking about Jerry Tockstein, the Herman London Group's most famous office manager here in the studio with us on the rooftop of beautiful downtown Maplewood, Missouri. Hi, Jerry. How are you today? Hi, Adam. Thank and, you so much. Hello, everyone. And thank you for being in the studio with us today, Jerry. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, etc. from you. And I know you're going to share some statistics with us as well. Yes. Okay, great. So uh, just a quick overview. Uh, I, I think that this is an interesting business. You know, I think real estate's an interesting business and part of the reason is because there's so many highs and lows. And I think we have to celebrate the highs just as much as we woe the lows, I suppose. And that's definitely something I have to work on. This week I had several closings, some big money closings. I had my wholesale deal that closed and made good money on that. Um, I bought a house just today that I'm going to rehab. Our company listed a a million-dollar-plus house today. Uh, But then, of course, I also paid a bunch of bills today. And I found out that a good friend of mine, who you guys know, Trey Malakote, is moving away. He's going to go to Florida and follow his dreams. So um, excited for him, but, you know, it's it's sad, too. So I I think it's it's just an interesting business where there's so many highs and so many lows and, uh, you know, I, I understand why some people take on a business partner. Dan Pescorse, a friend of ours, always said he likes to have a business partner so there's someone on the other side when he's trying to high five. You know, and and this has happened to me a lot of times, Jerry, where I have a, like I have a big closing and it's like, you know, you you're I'm excited. I wanna celebrate, but who do I call? You know, who no one cares. <laughs> like, oh my god, I just sold the house. I just made good money. This is great. And, you know, call my mom and she's happy for me. Uh, you know. Of course. But, you know, who no one really cares. And I think that's sometimes why it's neat to work on a team and to have a partners or whatever. So there's someone there when you're trying to high five. So just that's just my little commentary about kind of where I'm at today. There are lots of lots of highs going on and just a couple lows, which aren't that bad, you know, paying bills. But a friend moving away, that sucks. We're going to miss Trey. He was great. And so let's see. I wanted to tell the listeners about a deal I have going on on Arthur Avenue in St. Louis. Jerry, I need to get you over there. I want you to see that house. Okay, me too. You know what? I want you to smell that house (laughs) (laughs) because it smells bad. And I think these people must have had a team of cats. cats. A team of them over there. And they were just all going to the bathroom in the house. So we found today on the front yard, we found a car door that had been laying in the front yard for quite some time. So Mm -hmm. I think least of all, you could say I'm going to increase the value of the neighborhood and bring kind of the, you know, the, the impression that people have of the street. Absolutely. And bring up the value of everybody's home on the block. Mm -hmm. So I like to kind of go through the numbers with people and, you know, it's no secret. It's all it's all public. So I bought the house today for thirty thousand dollars. Actually, you know, you know, you did something good when you, unless they're just, um, would I say yanking my chain? But when you go to the title company and the closer says, "Ooh, you got a really good deal on this one," you know, I don't 
that doesn't happen all the time, but I don't know if she was just being friendly or not, but it makes me feel good. I like it anyway. Thank you, Laura. And uh, so bought it for 30000 Then I got a realtor commission. In this case, it was about $900. So I guess I really bought it for about twenty nine one. Right. I've been getting different estimates for rehab, and uh, I think they're going to end up being somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000. Okay. What does that all include? Well, we're going to redo the kitchen. We are, I mean, all new cabinets, all new floorings, new ceilings, new light fixtures, new appliances, new countertops, basically redo the entire kitchen. Um, we're going to redo, there's only one bathroom there. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, it's decent bathroom though, but we're basically going to gut it. You know, I, I can still picture the look on the face from the contractor's face when he walks in there to the bathroom and he's kind of looking around like, oh my gosh, oh you know, it's a house like that. What about systems? I mean, well, how's the AC, the furnace, the windows? I mean, the, the, the structure itself. I think the structure is okay. We're probably going to have to um, update or at least do a kind of a major servicing to the AC and the HVAC. You know, mm-hmm. it was just a few weeks ago, it was like 100 degrees outside, right? And I went by this house and uh, there was ice chunks as big as a softball on the line that goes from yeah, the condenser that's inside. Not good. That's yeah. not good, right? So there's going to. Probably gonna... it'll freeze the unit up on you. Yeah, I and they just kept it running. You know, there was tenants in there that just didn't yep. care. Yep. I was excited they actually got out when they were supposed to. Did they get out with all their stuff? No, they ended up leaving all their furniture over there. But I had Handyman Larry go over there today. Our boy, everyone knows Hand, Handyman Larry. He's over there today right now actually mowing the lawn and just kind of doing some general cleanup. Okay. I was hoping to sort of shock the system and make the house instantly at least look a little bit better. The weeds in the backyard were up to your knees. That'll so, make the neighbors happy. But hopefully we can keep the neighbors happy. Um, I have to decide, Jerry, if I want to, do I want to pay like a big flat fee to a contractor who literally does everything? They manage the electrician, the plumber, the flooring, the roofing, the siding, right. the kitchen. I mean, I don't, I've never done one of these before. So are they going to, do they choose the tile or do I choose the tile? You know, am I going to Home Depot with these guys and picking out the backsplashes? I don't know. And I, I don't know. You know, I mean, Jeff Merkel, um, our Jeff Merkel works with, you know, you know, he's the general contractor on his jobs that he does. I'm, I'm not sure how it would work, though, as far as you, but I know he has his team of plumbers and drywallers and people that come in and do the flooring and the kitchens and the baths. Might be something you may want to ask him about. And but so he does. He acts as a general. And part of it is is the amount of time that it would take, whether it would be worth it for you to, you know, play the general contractor role yourself or whether it would be worth it to pay for someone to do it. And you're thinking, Adam, pay someone to do it because you don't want me gone all the time leaving <laughs> you here stuck doing everything. Okay. Well, it's, it's a big question. And, you know, I was planning on using a big... Uh, just using one big company to just do the whole thing. But mm-hmm. it's funny because I was talking to my brother yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I bought it for 30. I can, you know, pay a contractor 40 to 50 to do it. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be easier that way. And I'm, I'm hoping to sell it somewhere between 125 and 150. But let's just say, I, let's just use 120 for easy numbers. Okay. It's like, oh, if I, if I buy it for 30, pay a contractor 50, sell it for 120, you know, rough numbers is that I'll make 40. Right. And it's like, or I could act as a general contractor myself. And save some money. And instead of spending 40, maybe spend 30. And, it, and my attitude was like, oh, that's okay, but I'll only save 10,000. And then I'm thinking, 
10,000 <laughs> goes in your pocket, though. Right? I'm like, uh, what? What did I just say? Why did I just say that? So I'll have to decide if I'm going to end up acting as a general or not. I do know a lot of plumbers and electricians and flooring guys and everything just from being in the business and mm-hmm. being a property manager. So we shall see. But I'll try to keep you guys in the loop on that process. I want you to try to learn from my mistakes as I go through what is actually my first rehab property. That The, the reason I consider this my first is because I'm planning on selling it. And all the other properties that I've bought and updated, I've kept and hold, held them as rentals. So this is my first like flip, I guess. But isn't this your first major type renovation? I mean, you've done work on your other properties, but have you actually? Yeah, if I, I, ex- mean, I if I end up spending fifty thousand yeah. dollars, this will be my first major deal. Major, you know. Deal. I yeah. think the house that I live in now, we spent more like thirty thousand probably on the updates and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I did a lot of that kind of thing myself too. So. All right, that's about enough on Arthur. Jerry, you, you've presented or prepared some statistics. You're just going to sure give have. us, yeah. what is this, just like kind of a general? Just tells you a little bit about the different areas in the St. Louis, in St. Louis, uh, and what we've got going on as far as number of listings, average listing price, current days on the market, just okay. to give you a feel of a what's going areas. on in some of our different areas around okay. St. Louis. Okay, like for instance, right now in South City, uh, there are 1,355 listing, wow. listings right now, currently. Um, current days on the market, they're, you know, they're averaging those at 97 days. Okay, that's about the same, I think, as it's as it's always been. I always quoted people that, you know, your house will probably be on the market around 90 around, days. Around, right, three months. What's my average price there? Average price is running around 157000 Okay, Adam. that's good. That's a little higher than average, I think. Yeah, so then uh, let's take a look at Kirkwood, for instance. Everybody loves Kirkwood. Kirkwood. It is popular. Right now, we're looking at only 353 listings in Kirkwood. Wow, okay. I mean, big difference between South City. I guess it's probably Um, a little smaller area, but... True. Okay. Uh, Days on market, averaging around 76. So they're selling a little bit quicker, wow. and your average listing price in the Kirkwood area is around four hundred forty-one thousand. Holy cow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. Kirkwood is so popular. Kirkwood and Webster. Mm-hmm. Yep, Webster. If you want to hear Webster's in comparison, Webster, we're looking at two hundred and seventy-nine listings. 82 days, average days on the market, and an average listing price of 3004 almost 305000 300? 305000 Okay, so, Kirk- so it's a little bit less than your Kirkwood. I wonder why. Um, it's interesting. I guess mm-hmm. Kirkwood has a couple major million-dollar type has, of homes. Yeah, might just have a little bit more of an expensive area. Okay. A few homes will bring up that price, that average. Anything farther out west? Um, How about Maplewood? Okay, Maplewood, Richmond Heights. We're looking as of when these stats were run, we have 87 listings right now. That's it? That's it. That's and that's Maplewood and Richmond that's Heights. That's Maplewood and Richmond Heights wow. grouped together. Uh, current days on the market, 77. So we're under that three-month period okay. with an average listing price of $211,000. Okay, so that's interesting. Uh, you can There's a lot more homes available in Kirkwood and Webster than there are in Maplewood, Richmond Heights. But, but I, I think that's interesting because so many people find it hard to buy a home in Kirkwood and Webster mm-hmm. because they sell so quick. You right. Know? 
Right. But that must just be kind of a, that certain, you know, uh, 150 to 400 or so price range, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other statistics to share with us? Downtown. I'm always curious as to what's going on Everyone downtown. Everyone loves downtown. Okay. You know, with what's the loft uh, community down there. Right now we have 176 listings. The uh, average days on market is 129. So it hmm. takes a little bit longer. They're sitting. Uh, yeah. To sell. With an average listing price of $180,000. So that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on in the loft community downtown. Okay. I, you know, the average is always interesting. I guess median would probably be more appropriate because for the average in Kirkwood, for example, there's a ton of them that are probably selling with three days on the market. Yes. And then there's, you know, there's that one guy who's listed his house for way too high and he's on the train tracks and he needs a rehab and he's basement floods and he's asking 500,000 or whatever. And he's been on the market three years. So kind of messing up statistics, but those good. Okay. Thanks, Jerry. I think people like to hear that kind of thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about what is a good referral up next. So we, we have people that refer us actually a lot of business. And I think that people don't necessarily know when to refer or what we would want. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I didn't know if if you would want to deal with a buyer like that. You know, they're only buying a $100,000 house or something. Or I didn't know if you would want to list a property like that. You know, it's all the way out in Lake St. Louis, that type of thing. So to me, I wanted to just kind of talk about a little bit what is a good referral. I guess someone, (laughs) it's kind of funny, but a good referral to me is anyone who wants to buy or sell real estate, really. And for us, they could be buying or selling any type of real estate, including commercial or including residential, mm-hmm. or anyone who wants to lease property as well, because we do leasing and property management. But uh, you know, like like I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, heck, I bought a house today for thirty thousand dollars, and we listed a house today for over a million dollars. So right. we kind of handle a little bit of everything all the way in between. Our service, the service that you give, Jerry, is pretty much the same, whether it's in Lake St. Louis or whether it's downtown, right? Absolutely, Adam. And it's important to note that we have agents all over the area. You know, anywhere from St. Peter's, St. Charles, O'Fallon, Wentzville. You know, all the way down south to Imperial Kimswick. We've, right. we've got every area covered, and we have an agent who's familiar with those areas. So I guess our secret for how we make properties sell faster is done mainly from the office, right? It's the things that you do on that checklist and the people that we hire to do the photos and that kind of thing. So it doesn't matter too much where they are. Any comments about what a good referral is to you? A million-dollar buyer who's all cash and already found the house that they want to buy? <laughs> Sure, we'll take those every day. Uh-huh. Yeah, someone called me today and they're like, is it okay? Uh, my assistant, Tyler, um, wants to buy a house. He found a house that he wants in Tower Grove. He just needs a realtor. Is it okay if I have him call you? And I think they're just being polite and it's probably professional of them to call me and basically warn me that I'm going to get this phone call. But I'm like, yes, of course, absolutely. Yes. Please have him call me. I want to work with him. I'm, you know, I'm available to help him, so... We love referrals. Let's see. I I just was going to sort of vent, I guess, a little bit. I I wanted to talk about being a business owner and having so much to stay on top of. We're hiring an assistant for you, Mm -hmm. which is nice. Yep. She starts tomorrow. She starts tomorrow. And that's because there's so much to do, right? And for me, there's a lot to do. And one of the things that, that kind of stresses me out because I love it, is staying on top of our website and what we're now calling our digital media strategies Mm -hmm. because there's so much to do with the Facebook and the e-newsletter and the website. 
and the Google Plus and the uh, in the property search website and all this kind of stuff. So I'm excited that we hired a new intern. And Jesse is is here from where? Michigan? He went to goes to school yes, in Michigan. Yes, he goes to the University of Michigan. Okay, and he wanted to be a digital media strategist. So what we did is we looked up a bunch of different jobs that were available and, and, and you know, we for put like him to work. people He's hiring. Hard. Yeah. We found jobs that that were people that were hiring digital media strategists and we looked for the type of experience that they wanted and then we designed and custom tailored a program for Jesse around giving him that specific type of experience, right? Yep. So that now he'll be able to walk into his interview you know, after this internship, either for a next internship or for his next job, and he'll be able to say, you know, I installed Google Tag Manager into Herman London's website, and I used the Moz software, and we increased their web rankings by 10%, and we increased their conversions, and, and he'll be able to speak with the education, I guess. Yes. And it's going to help. So it'll help him, and it'll help us to increase our web presence, which in turn, I guess, helps all of our clients, too, so they can get a little bit extra exposure for their house. So if you don't have the Google Tag Manager, that's something he already taught me about. Most of you that have your own businesses, that have your own websites, you probably have Google Analytics installed. But Google Analytics has kept improving and and bettering themselves, and one of the new things they have is the Tag Manager which my understanding makes it so you can really track every single button on your website that's clicked, not just like the pages that they go to, that kind of thing. So you got to get the Google Tag Manager. Let's see, Jerry. We're gonna let's talk about Rosa a little bit. Okay, what's going on with Rosa, Adam? Well, we evicted the tenant. Yes. As you know, and that was did that put some pressure on you dealing with all that? No, no. no. Good. It's just a shame that that's what sometimes it, it comes down to. Yeah. So what we did is we had a tenant. It's a, Rosa is a four-family building that I own with a partner, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, and we had to evict a tenant. She hadn't paid her rent for actually seven months, and I was trying to make deals with her and work it out. But the it's actually my fault that the eviction process took that long because I didn't respond to the attorney as fast as I should have. Uh, I didn't realize he needed a response, whatever, but it was my fault. But the once it came time for the actual eviction, it was so much more under dramatic, non dramatic. What's non dramatic, what, I guess? Underwhelming. I don't know how, what to say, but I was nervous. You know, it was like stomach ache time driving over there. I thought there was going to be screaming and crying and yelling and fighting. And so what know. happened? I mean, I know the sheriff shows yeah. up and so we had it all scheduled the sheriff was supposed to show up at three o'clock i was going to show up at three o'clock and i and i knew that i had to change the locks and our attorney had told us we had to move all their stuff so i showed up there just a couple minutes before three mm-hmm. and the sheriff was already there and they got out of their car as soon as they saw me and they they were they were meant business man they were ready to go they just were ready to walk right inside and take care of business and i was like hey guys oh hold up, hold up just a second. You know, this is my first time doing this. Can we talk a little bit? What's going to happen here? You know, do I have to throw all of her stuff away? Literally, like my attorney told me or what? They didn't want to talk to me. The sheriff didn't want to talk to me at all. They were they just just like, we're just here to make sure you change the locks. Yep. You're going to change the locks? Yep. Okay. We don't care. Okay. So we came in there. They kind of screamed like, who's here? Anybody here? Blah, blah, blah. The place was clear. The lady wasn't in there. Most of her stuff. So was she still was. In there. Pre- she had already taken most of her stuff, and she, she had taken was a lot of her gone. stuff. But so while they were still there for the very few minutes that they were there, and I started changing the locks, she showed back up. I was nice enough to let her get a couple Some more, more carloads of, of her stuff or whatever you know while I was still at the house. Um, but they left, and while she was still there, actually, they just left. And and I spoke to another sheriff about this afterwards, and I guess those 
guy's job is that's all they do all day. They just go evict tenants all day long, you know. Right. And things have changed. My neighbor told me about when he evicted a tenant before, probably 20 years ago, the sheriff showed up and they actually had like convicts with them that were doing the moving. Right, because so. when my sister had to evict a tenant, and that, that's been a good number of years ago, the sheriff not only came opened the door, but they started hauling. They had a crew there, and they just started taking all of the tenants' belongings, and they were just throwing them in the alley and out on the curb. Yeah. And people were coming by and just going through it and taking it. And, yeah, yeah it, it was... It's sad. It's it kind of really messed sad. up, you know? Yeah. I mean... But that's, I guess that's the business. But now they don't, they don't do that anymore. So they just, they just the, simply are there to make sure the locks are changed. All the and, sheriff cared about was that I changed the locks, which I changed the locks. And then they didn't seem to care, which from when I asked them if I left her stuff in there or if I sold it on eBay or what, if I moved in and, you know, started using her desk or whatever, you know. But wow. uh, my attorney said I had to throw it all away. So we rented the U Haul. And we packed everything up, an entire U-Haul full, and we took that to Goodwill, actually. Mm-hmm. And then we, the next day, we came back and filled a couple truckfuls more of more junk, and then we actually took that to the uh, city dump. So, this, so there was quite a bit left then, even though yeah. she had taken some of her belongings. There it was, was the, still it was the most extensive, you know, collection of shoes and uh, Christmas decorations and whatever that I've ever seen, you know. And she actually had a chance to get, she had at least two truckfuls and like three or four carfuls that she had already gotten out of there. Mm -hmm. So I think she was just kind of like maybe a little bit of a hoarder. So then the property today, that wasn't an eviction. So I was, I'm allowed to keep whatever I want to, but I used to get excited when, you know, it's like you go to a vacant property and there's stuff there. It's like, oh, I wonder if there's anything good in here. There was nothing good at the property today. There was, you know, beat up sofas and half smoked cigars and just like old dirty trash. furniture just trash you know so i when i first got there i was like oh let me look through there's nothing good there they they had a big box with like broken big lighters i don't know i'm not sure if that was a drug thing or something I don't, i'm not sure but <laughs> i was like all right i don't want any of this stuff larry if you want any of this stuff get it out of here but otherwise we're just gonna get a dumpster i think and throw it all away so now that we've have her out of there we've right. redone the floors okay uh, brad evans he i'll give him a shout out he does a great job with the hardwood floors We've painted everything. Um, we've cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. We're going to put tile in where there's linoleum, and we're going to put in new baseboards. Nice. So my question now, Jerry, is do we allow the other tenants in the building who are chomping at the bit to move into this one unit? Because I guess they like the layout best. Do we allow them to move in, or do we just find a different tenant? I'm worried about if we allow one of the tenants from the building that's currently in there to move in to this new unit then how are we going to deal with their unit? What if they don't do a good job cleaning it? What if they've damaged things? You know, it's a lot of times the move outs can be a little bit uncomfortable when, you know, we have to use somebody's part of their security deposit to do fixes and stuff like that. You have any hot tips on me there? Well, I don't really have a hot tip. I just know the tenant in particular that you're speaking of, and I I just think that um, they've done a nice job overall of taking care of the property and the yard, and I think maybe it would be worth the consideration to give them the opportunity maybe to move in there, but maybe with, you know, preempted with stating that this is all providing that their unit has been taken yeah, care of. That's and that's good. And we're going to give them a chance. You know, the rent's going to be a little bit higher because it yep, is, a, I guess, a more popular unit so right last off 
Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about, I guess I want to talk directly to realtors or maybe if, uh, you know, someone who's using a realtor or needs to use a realtor is listening in, make sure that you realtor, you use a realtor who knows their business. And I think this is the benefit of using a realtor who has experience. Or for us, when we have a new realtor join our company, we always like to make sure that they are working closely with me, the broker, or with another experienced realtor. Where you see, where I see problems uh, or examples like that I'm going to mention at our own company is an agent who's been in the business a long time, but has kind of gone part-time and is focusing on other things in their life. Or an agent who kind of goes rogue and tries to start doing stuff on their own. But there's been several examples that that have happened in the last week or two where I think an agent is feeling the pressure, or they're being, I, I could say, they're trying. Another agent is trying to push them around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if the if the agent knew the contract better, if they would be more on top of their details, and if they would be kind of checking all the little things, I. I think they would not have these situations. Let's see. Here's a, an example. There was a there's two there's been two examples where the seller agreed to pay a certain amount for closing. One of these examples was with me. The seller had agreed to pay six thousand dollars towards the buyer's closing costs. Okay. For a closing I had last week, and when we we didn't you know the lenders right now are all busy. They're all there, so we didn't actually get the final numbers until we were at the closing table. I didn't have a chance to review the HUD ahead of time. You hate it when that happens. That's kind of one of the benefits of this new Dodd-Frank thing, I guess. But so we're looking at the HUD and the closing cost that was covered by the sellers in that case, you know, was only $5,100. And so I'm, I think an, an inexperienced agent would have just kept sitting there smiling. But I was like, this is not, uh, this, this isn't right. This will not stand, you know? Right. And so they had, the sellers had, I guess the title company had credited the buyer for all their normal closing costs. But in this particular case, the buyer had prepaid for all of their inspections. Mm-hmm. And so my buyer was awesome because I said, well, look, we this I don't want to leave this money on the table. I want this credit. I to want be to be used. Yeah, I want to use the entire $6,000 if we can in a legitimate way, you know. And so what about the inspections that we prepaid for? My buyer was awesome. He reaches into his little folder and boom, there and he had all of a, his receipts. He had all of his receipts. So we were able to cover the, I, I think we got to like a, almost $6,000. It was like $30 off or something like that. But he, because he had prepaid for his uh, building inspection, he prepaid for his termite inspection, and he got a sewer lateral line inspection too. So, and I guess radon was included in his building inspection cost. But a less experienced agent, I think, would have left that money on the table. And essentially, that was free money to my buyer to because the buyers. he had prepaid for that, and now he was just literally just getting that money back. So, mm-hmm. Call it free money if you want to. Um, but we had an example similar to that that didn't happen as well where an agent called me and said, I think that they didn't use all of the credit and they and the buyer did prepay for their inspections. So can I go back to the other agent and try to get the seller to pay for it? I'm like, you can try. And she's like, well, she's been mean this whole time, you know. And so I think that... <laughs> You, you know you have to you have to know what's going on and, and an agent who is more part-time I think she should have kept I guess the company or kept me more involved in her deal so this kind of thing wouldn't happen but there's a lot of realtors out there who will try to push you around and uh, so you need to know your stuff well there's an example I want to bring up if you don't mind no not at all go ahead um, we and you know what I'm going to talk about yep we had a listing and this was, the, this was actually the weirdest thing. I don't quite understand the realtor's logic, but we had a listing. It was closing. The buyer's agent was going over to the property. Was it the day before closing? Final walkthrough. To do the final walkthrough. 
And the list, the seller had hired a cleaning company who was actually at the property cleaning during the final walkthrough. Correct. But the buyer's agent called you screaming. Correct. Saying that the place was filthy, that she couldn't believe that anybody would leave a property in this type of condition. The floors were dirty. There was dust everywhere. The carpets needed to be vacuumed. And I was a little taken back because I knew that the cleaning crew was there and they were hired to do a deep cleaning of the home. So was she demanding anything? She was demanding that it be cleaned. Even Uh, though the cleaning people were there? Even though the cleaning people were there. But just okay. really uh, um, fired up over it. She and was fired up. She was fired up. And, and the crazy thing about it was that nowhere in the contract did it say anything about the property being professionally cleaned. And the seller simply did it as, as a just... To be nice. To be nice. A common to the, courtesy, I yeah, guess. Yeah, a common say. courtesy. You know, uh, I hired the cleaning crew to go in and do the deep cleaning. But at the same time, the agent was just yelling and sure, like I said, fired up about it not being cleaned, which was a little confusing, like you said, because the cleaning crew was there doing the cleaning. So I think it's I think it's interesting. And I actually see this a lot where and, and this happens just in general in life, where if someone's embarrassed, if they've done something wrong, then they sort of like strike out at other people or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, they I don't know. Defensive. I don't know if this agent knew that she had done a bad job representing her client and didn't put into the contract that the property should be cleaned, or if she just didn't know how the contract works and thought that it had to be cleaned because in her past it had been cleaned. Um, but I, I, I see that where these agents, they, they, in my opinion, they really embarrass themselves when they're trying to look tough or they're trying to teach their client that they're representing them or whatever. So they call and they start screaming at people. Yeah, after the fact. Really, she if she would have known her business, she would have kind of set the expectation for the buyer from the very beginning. There's nowhere in this contract does it say that the the seller has to clean the property. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, in my experience, I've sometimes I've written in the contract, you know, property must be broom cleaned or whatever. Yes. But still, I've done that before. Me, Adam Cruz, I've done that before. But I still tell them. But by the way. Don't expect anything because clean to you is much different than clean to me is much different to than clean to our producer, Joey here. You know, you can't really define clean. Everyone has their own sort of definition for it. And so the best thing you can do is set your buyer's expectation. This place will probably be dirty. I don't care how clean it is. You're probably still going to clean it anyway, aren't you? Go in and clean it. You're going to, you're going to wipe your bleach right over their bleach, right? Whatever. So she, I I think she had done a bad job setting expectations for her client, but I'm glad that you knew your business well enough. And we knew our business well enough to not say, oh my gosh, we'll pay for someone to go out there or whatever, or to call our seller and start screaming at her or something like that, you know? Mm We knew that it's like, I think you did the right thing. You were just being nice to the lady and like trying to calm her down. And of course I come in and I'm like, well, did you tell her she should have put it in the contract? You know, and we don't typically talk to other realtors like that. We don't like to burn bridges, but we might be thinking it, you know, Correct. so, okay. And I had one other example. Oh, the other example was the buyer. In this case, again, we were representing a seller. Okay. The buyer got their inspections. Okay. There was a, there was like a broken gutter on the back of the house and a broken gutter on the front of the house. And this was like labeled out in their inspection report. The buyer asked for both gutters to be fixed and their inspection notice to us. Mm-hmm. We rejected their, uh, you know, they asked for a bunch of stuff. Those were two of the th- many things that they asked for. We, you know, basically rejected that offer and counter offered by saying, no, we will fix the back gutter and we'll fix XX or, you know, X123, whatever, a bunch of other stuff. And the buyer agreed. Okay. 
So then the buyer goes over there for their final walkthrough and they said, oh my gosh, that gutter is still broken. I'm not going to close on this property until you fix this gutter. And then the buyer's agent's calling our agent saying, you need to fix this gutter and we're not going to close and blah, blah, blah. And so A, no, we don't have to. This We already agreed that we would fix the back one, not the front one. But we it have was it in writing. specifically written out that it was just the back one that was It was specifically written out that it was the back one. But the agent... The buyer's agent was thinking in this time that for some reason, I don't understand her logic, but even though we, you know, in the inspection notice, it's like the buyer says, hey, will you please do this? And then on the next section, the the seller can say either, yes, I will do that or no, I won't do anything or what we did in this case, C, which is no, I won't do those particular things, but I will do these particular things. Correct. And so somehow the buyer's agent had decided that, oh, no, you were going to do all, we we're going to do everything on both lists. Like in her, in her head, she thought that it was like all encompassing, that we were just agreeing to everything. And so this caused this big problem. I think that I'm glad that in that case, our agent called me and I was able to talk them through it and kind of know their rights. And uh, sometimes there's, there's like right and there's wrong and there's like what's going to work, right? And so in this case, our seller was closing that same day on the house that they were trying to buy. Mm -hmm. And the house that they were trying to buy had that seller was trying to close on another house, you know. So we were talking about a $150 gutter fix here. Right. And so there was there was right, which is no, we're not fixing it. Deal with it. There was wrong, in my opinion, which was yes, oh yes, yes, we will fix it. You're so right. And then there was like do what we works. should really do, and and it wasn't worth you know delaying the closing and causing a lawsuit and fighting and all this kind of stuff over this deal when there was this whole kind of chain link of uh, all these closings that happened. So I think the our agent. You know, my advice to our agent was, you know, you can play hardball or you can just play easy or you can make an agreement that comes that, that makes sense. And I think that's what they ended up doing. But it, this is a problem that shouldn't have happened. You know, I mean, you can't fix somebody not knowing the rules and not knowing how the contract works, you know, but the best thing we can do is know the rules and how the contract works. And I think the only thing our agent could do next time would maybe somehow be even more clear Right. Than she already was. And I felt like she was really clear with her amendments. It always comes down to the same thing, though. Be as specific as you possibly can on any of the documents. Absolutely. Absolutely. So actually, the contract that we wrote the other day that we're negotiating right now, Mm -hmm. that house on the hill, we had to say, you know, refrigerator and kitchen stays. Refrigerator side by side. Refrigerator and basement is not included. Washer and dryer on second floor not included. Dryer mm-hmm. and basement included. You know, so we're trying right. to be right. You have to be really specific. specific. Right. That uh, way, you don't have problems on down the line. It avoids problems. So let's okay. That's all my content I have for today, Jerry. I want to see if you have any updates or anything. What's going on at the Herman London Group coming up? We have any big events coming up? Uh, no, let's like see. Crazy. This past Friday night, we uh, went to the ballpark and we watched the Gateway Grizzlies over in Illinois That's, uh, play. You know, it was a good time. It was a nice evening and the weather held off. We didn't get rained on, just a, a little drizzle. If you haven't been over there, I, I would encourage someone, especially a sports fan, to go over there because you get, you're sitting close. You park close, right? It's yeah. Free parking, whatever. It's a, it's a great venue. It, it puts you in mind if any of you have ever been to the spring training games down in Florida. It's like it's kind of like it, that. Even small, on a smaller scale it's than small that, small right? and up close and personal. It was a lot of fun. Uh, nice people. We really enjoyed ourselves. Well, we're talking about the past. Oh, the next night we had a couple uh, of our agents doing stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. Down at the West End Grill. That was pretty funny. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Yep. Happy Fourth. Have a... Very safe and happy holiday. 
As always, check out our website, hermanlondon.com, for the latest podcasts and for links to pictures and information that we've kind of referenced today. We, we always want more questions. Uh, podcast at hermanlondon.com. Please email in your questions, and maybe we'll even make a, another fun video if we get it. Check out the videos that Mad Producer Joey Vosovich has been making. He's made an awesome Herman London Maplewood video and a Herman London Lindenwood Park video. I guess that's all for today. Thanks, guys, and take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.